Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we promise to drink these beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and today we are reading our fourth shortlisted booker book, the short, the short, short list that we're doing, uh, The Promise by Damon Galgut, and uh, I'm starting a beer. This is from Finback, and it's called Brightside. It's a double IPA. Coming in eight percent, made with a bunch of hops, and uh, in the beginning, of the book, uh, the the matriarch of the family, she dies. Her first name Rachel. Rachel. Yeah, it was Rachel, right? She dies, and um, that's a bummer for everybody. But but the bright side for Salome, the maid that lives on their property, is that she's supposed to inherit uh, the house that she lives in. At least she's supposed to. That's the titular promise. Uh, so this is. A fine IPA. It has a Sabro, which is my favorite hops right now. It gives it kind of a melony flavor. It's very good. Who's melony? That'd be because of melanin, which is a big issue in South Africa where it this book takes place. <laughs> I'm also going to start drinking, but we'll get to this beer later. I just don't want to wait. So this book is on the short list, but it's And in fact, the short. betting markets have it as the favorite to win. Is that still true? As far as I checked, yeah. Yep. Favorite to win. Okay. Even, yeah. He's been nominated twice before. What's he's, that? He's won twice? No, he's been nominated he's been twice before, or at least once. He's never won. He's been shortlisted. Always a bridesmaid, never a booker winner. He's made to the shortlist. Uh, this, is his, this is his third rodeo on the shortlist. Hmm. Well, he's won other awards, but... Maybe that's what's going to put him over the edge. You, you know, maybe how many times you've been shortlisted or longlisted or shortlisted is a consideration by the judges. I mean, maybe because they could do whatever they want. But if I was one of the judges, I wouldn't pick this one. No, me neither. We'll just, but we'll save that for later. Okay, so the promise takes place over three, oh, four different time periods, right? Four, oh, four? No, it's four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Each one. Starting, and it doesn't tell you the years, but you actually can kind of figure it out. The first one is in the mid-80s, where the mother dies. The next one is in the mid-90s, where the father dies. The next one is in the mid-2000s, where the sister where the sister dies. And then the final one is in you know the mid-2010s, where the brother dies. And it's in South Africa, and it is definitely about apartheid one of my questions is so how much i mean by how much is it 99.9 percent apartheid or is it 96 percent apartheid that's like my <laughs> I don't, you know so it's one of those two it's, it's one of those it's two the backdrop for everything absolutely no but the main it is mostly but i mean it's almost entirely about the white family named the swart so it's Swart, which is, I think, either it's it's very close to the German word for black. So I'm sure there's some Schwarz. reason for that. In, du- in Dutch, it's Swart, is black. So in there, Afrikaans is basically stupid Dutch, which is just stupid German. So I'm sure there's a reason. Stupid he German once removed. Yeah. German that got kicked in the head by a mule. <laughs> Doesn't goose step quite as well. Duck That's step. racism down, though. <laughs> the first chapter and the last chapter, well, actually not quite, or well, from, this, from the point of view of Amor, the youngest daughter of the family, and she's been living in a hostel 
while her mother has been sick, but she basically I don't doesn't I don't really understand why that didn't quite make sense to me. Like why I feel like hostel a, was not the same thing we think of as a hostel. I, I don't really yeah, it doesn't make sense. She was a kid. She was like, was like a twelve convent? or thirteen. Was, like a boarding school. I was, I was, I was like maybe that's it. But they I felt like they sent her away because her mother was sick, but in the opening scene of the book, um they bring her back. They're they're like, Oh, you have to go back to the farm because your mother has died. It's also because she's a little off and they don't know how to deal with her. She was struck by lightning. Yes. And, and it's supercharging. It Instead of supercharging her, it made her slow. And she's like weird and dreamy and and nobody pays attention to her. She's got hot feet. Her feet hurt. <laughs> and she lost a toe. Yeah. She burnt her feet and lost a toe when um she got struck by lightning. So she is um so she goes back to the farm and the big controversy at, at you know because the mother has died is that she converted back to Judaism or more just before she's dying or more like she said in her will or in her you know final days that she wanted to be buried with her family who are old who are Jewish and that means that she can't be buried at the farm with the rest of the family because they're the Dutch Norse. Protestants or whatever. Calvinists no, Luther- Lutherans. No, they were Calvinists. Calvinists and Lutherans. Called, like the, uh, the, I, mean, I looked up because the guy was called like the Domine. And I looked up like it's like a minister in the Dutch Reformed Church, which I don't know what the fuck that means. It's a South African thing. There's a lot of South African words in here I had to look up because they're not real words. Like Shotzi? Shotzi. Well, that was like the, the, that the one. Kopi? That, I thought that was like that one weird mother-in-law who was like a bougie like faux european shit she would just start talking about the language all the time they called her like maman like french people do even though they're yeah. not french well because they were like very well to do yeah. and uh and i don't know i don't know fucking shit about south african culture but like there was a lot of people who moved there in their the late too, 40s so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe there's a, still an element of seeing europe as like the classy Place, yeah, you know, absolutely. The, the beacon of culture, and also the place where there are only mostly white people. So they probably like, yeah, those Europeans got it figured out. But they go to the funeral for Mama. So the father is both like beside himself with grief, but at the same time so mad that the mom or that Rachel is not going to be buried on the farm because he has now become very religious. It sounds like just in the uh, just like in the last few years before the opening scene of the he, book. He converted the when she, um when she got hit by lightning. When she got hit by lightning. Yeah, well he's like if you help her survive oh. this, I will do whatever you say, God. Yeah. And the mom yes, only right. became very religious when as a result of the dad's come to Jesus moment, he confessed to her all of his, you know, times he cheated on her and shit like that. And then she became religious and went back to her family, went back to the, back to Judaism. And, and the father said, you know, I confessed all this, all, all of this to her in hope to, you know, to get her forgiveness, but she didn't. She instead was like, you fucking ass. Fuck you. (laughs) Amor is a little bit confused and she like, can't quite accept that her mom is dead. But, and then there's all this controversy and the father keeps saying like, I don't care. Like, she didn't actually want that. She didn't actually want to be buried. She didn't actually convert back to Judaism. She didn't actually want to be buried out there. She needs to be buried here. And the rabbi is like, no, that's what she said she wanted. And lots of people said, heard, heard it. He's like, no, no, I refuse to accept it. Also, the father 
very strange guy because they live on a farm, but his job is at, on the reptile. He, he owns ranch. he What's owns a like a basically like a reptile zoo. People go and just look at reptiles. So he's got all these poisonous snakes around. Well, uh, you know, I think not they're, they're necessarily like, in the house. They're at the they're zoo, at but the still, zoo, yeah. he spends his days with the poisonous with the poisonous snakes and the other the other reptiles. You meet Amor. She's very sad, and I can't believe that my mom is dead. And then it switches perspectives to the oldest the oldest child, which is the the, the son Anton, who is very troubled. And in this first scene, he is he's in the army. So South Africa in the mid '80s was a Bad very time. crazy place. Whether you would technically classify it or not as a civil war is, you know, kind of depends on your definition. But it is civil war like, let's just say. And he was in the white. He was white, of course. So he's in the white South African army. But anyway, on the first scene of the book, it's the day that he actually had to shoot and kill somebody. And he like killed a woman at one of a at a thing, and but he also feels and then finds out that his mother is dead. He's like, I feel like I killed her, which is very strange. Didn't which I have a feeling is symbolic of greater stuff about apartheid. But we'll get to that later. We should say that like we haven't said yesterday, like the way the book is written, it is it just shifts perspective of like who's talking. There are no quotation marks used. And so, like, someone's talking, and then, like, it, it goes from being, like, the one person in the conversation is sort of who's being, dis- you know, that's, like, their perspective, shifts to another one. And then it could just shift to an entirely different setting with no breaks, no, like, cues. So it's it was really weird, that passage where he's like, I killed my mother. And it's like, huh? What? But I thought she died of cancer. And then, it's like, later on in the book, you kind of get into the flow of it and figure out, like, how to read it better. But that first part was pretty confusing for me. Also, a bunch of commentary directed toward the reader, like yeah, some... you should you should check this out. And also, you know, weren't you thinking that? It's just like that. Like... Yeah, the narrative at a certain couple points, the narrative says, "I think this," or "I'm not that kind of person," or something like that. And it's like, who, who's narrating it? Are we supposed <laughs> to? I mean, is this a character? <laughs> is it like the ghost? Is a? It, it's what makes it very much a literary fiction book and not just a novel telling the story of this family. Hence, it's nominated for this award. So Anton is definitely a very unhappy person. And he's got a lot of issues. But I have a beer for him. This is product of a misspent youth by a new brewery for us, Twin Elephant Brewing in Chatham, New Jersey. That sounds very British. They have elephants in Africa, right? Most of them, probably. Also India. Uh, so this is an American double India pale ale, nine uh, double dry hopped, double India pale ale, nine percent alcohol. Do we ever forget what an American India pale ale is, or is it just nothing? It's just to distinguish from the traditional English IPA style, yeah. which is the American one is just more aggressively hopped yeah. and a little stronger. Well, this is terms. definitely aggressively hopped. It is quite hoppy. In the bitter way or the tasteful way? Uh, you know, I would say it's like halfway in between. Um, like a pair of elephants. There you go. <laughs> and can elephants be twins? Sometimes. We'll never know. 
I don't know. Do elephants ever give birth to twins? Like, don't they have like a fucking like three year gestation period? It is a very it's long. Like almost two years is the gestation period. Of like, an yeah, elephant. it's like twenty months. I'm googling elephant twins, afraid of the weird BBW porn I might find by accident. <laughs> elephant twins are very rare, but they do happen. Yeah. About one percent of the time. Man, the cravings of that pregnant elephant mom <laughs> must be just intense. Fucking leveling a Denny's to get at those hash browns. <laughs> Anton, he he um, goes AWOL from the military and then gets into a fight with his dad over the priest guy. The, I don't think dominee. he went AWOL from the military to go he to goes, his mom's funeral. I think no, he, he just he goes, goes, he goes to the funeral, funeral and then he comes he back. Quits, he, he never decides. goes back to his service, though. He, yeah, he, he runs never, away yeah, and he does. hides out for years. But that was yeah. after the funeral. Yeah. Get, right. Like he, yeah, he, didn't, he, got, he didn't leave. He didn't, I mean, yes, I guess it would be technically going AWOL if for the day he disappears and is a derelict. Uh, derelict no, no. He, whatever, um, he gets he permission to go to the funeral. And then when he gets back, he gets to the fence. And he's like, nah, fuck this. And he leaves. Oh, yeah. And he sees that guy. Um, Major Payne, Damon Wayans. Major, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Classic film. He sleeps with his eyes open. Um, so, and then he also bangs his girlfriend. Uh, Desiree. The no. Desiree. Desiree. The South desire. African. Desiree. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, she's, you know, really hot. And her, and it never, I don't think it says ever specifically what her father did, but he had to like go before the truth and reconciliation. He was in the government and, and did a bunch of war crimes. He did. He was a bad man. And she, <laughs> in the way she talks even later on in the book, when it's like the modern day part, she is, she has um, not the most progressive views on race. Almost no one in this book does except Amor. And even then hers are more well, just like, I like this one lady. Well, a lot of the characters are... Um, certainly you see there's some like specific ones are like, why do we have to deal with them and shit like that? And then, <laughs> and then, um, Desiree, who was, you know, in 2019 or whatever it is, is still having the black housekeeper call her madam and refers to her husband as the master. And, um, it's just, it's just rude as fuck to the, to the housekeeper. But there are a lot of other characters who just what I imagine was probably more I would like to imagine was more common in South Africa. They were just kind of like, I don't really care, whatever. We'll do our they could do their thing and I'll do my thing and I'll just pretend to not know any details and you know as long of, as they know we're better. Most people deal with social. Well, it's not it's less bad, but it's the way most people deal with social issues and, and injustice. They just kind of like oh, it doesn't affect me. I'm going to kind of go about my day and not worry about it too much. Yeah. And so most of the other characters are like, yeah, oh, it's complicated. I don't really know. Hmm. As opposed to the guy who's actively committing war crimes. Well, it is a, uh, then, um, it is a, is a thing at the beginning of this, oh. at the beginning of this first chunk that he, she prom- made her husband promise to give Salome. I guess that's how you say it. I, in my head I was saying Salome the whole time, but Salome makes way more sense. I mean, that's um, the only way I've ever heard that name said. I've never, heard, it. I've never heard it. I've never heard Shalom when she converted back to Judaism. <laughs> but uh, the, she made her husband uh, on her deathbed promise to give Salome the, you know, basically the servant's house so that Salome could own it instead of just living there. And he was like, yeah, sure, you betcha. But of course, when she dies, she's like, yeah, we'll see. We'll get around to that. Maybe we'll see. But the truth is that cur- under the current laws at that time, she was not allowed to own property because she was black. So he could not have done it if he wanted to, which he did not. 
But that's the base of the whole book. That was a very convenient excuse for him. Oh, yeah. So could even if I wanted to. It's the law. What's unfortunate is that all Salome, Salome really wanted was the head of John the Baptist, which is what the biblical character Salome wants. Yeah. She's the daughter of Herod, and she wants the head of John the Baptist. That's you guys fucking read the Bible? No. Your dad nope. didn't yell at you and make you read the Bible when you were children? Your dad made you read the Bible? Just once. <laughs> no, you've, you've told this story. I've told this story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were afraid, and we got mad at us, and he went on this crazy <laughs> drunken tirade and made us read the Bible. But Salome is uh, the daughter of Herod who, who wants the head of John the Baptist. And a good sandwich. Yes, <laughs> a salami sandwich. Part of an Italian sandwich, right? A nice, mm, nice rich salami. <laughs> so Anton like gets in a fight or gets in an argument with the priest, pastor, whatever preacher, his, whatever his title is, preacher, at the funeral. Yeah, I don't remember what it was about. He's just being a he's, he's a non he's a non believer and he's being, being a asshole. dick. But the preacher is also a piece of shit. And the preacher also didn't believe it. He like he was like just going through the motions. Like he had no faith. He was basically just a grifter. And also, she was Jewish, so I forget why. Like they had like they had like a they had like a funeral for her like that she did not want. And so then the, then this then he like moves out and he quits the quits the military thing and he disappears for basically a decade, mooching off of every person he can. And then it jumps that decade. Well, also then at the ser- at the funeral, Amor gets her period for the first time, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's fucking mean to her. <laughs> like her older yeah. sister, um, who is trash, Astrid, right? She's a, she's a real bitch, and she's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" He's like, "Way to have empathy! Like you're like six minutes older than her. Like you just did this, she's and a you're few just years gonna older. yell at her for having her period." But she's always been trash. And she will continue to be trash for the rest of the book. Yes. So they solve the period issue. And then, then it jumps ahead a decade when the dad has died. So this is the first time it jumps ahead a decade. It's going to do that three more times? Two more times? Two more times. Yeah, it's going to do that two more times. So it jumps ahead a decade and it's Anton getting a phone call. And first it's like, it also like doesn't ever specify a year, but suddenly it's like, and then Astrid is calling me from her cell phone. I was like, oh, it's not the uh, not the 80s anymore. <laughs> Though I actually, for the first couple of pages of this scene, I was picturing the giant-ass, like, 80s cell phone. They did call know, it a useless like brick. Case. So. It's a mid-90s cell phone, so, in, so it's still a big fucking cumbersome thing. But it's not the, uh, you know, like, satellite dish. Yeah. <laughs> Used to have to get back in the eighties. So, anyways, getting well, it's and a brick, the, not a cinder block. <laughs> like the eighties one would have been. And the um, anyway, the phone call is saying like, "Dad is in the hospital. He was bitten by a poisonous snake." And do you know how to get in contact with Amor? Like she, you know, we can never. I thought, and he's like, "I think I have a number for her," but they can't quite get in contact with her right away. But you kind of you find out that the father, who has become very religious. Or at least it hinted at this. He was trying to set a record for how many days he could stay in the snake cage with the cobras. Yeah, he was raising money for the church to raise money for the church, and it one the cobras one of the cobras bit him on the sixth day, and 
even though they had anti-venom ready to go at the at, at the at the zoo. it's not a zoo it's at the reptile lizard. zoo <laughs> yeah rep, reptile place um he had an allergic reaction to it and so he died he's a allergic to snake life. venom <laughs> bitch he's allergic to anti-venom actually oh was it that tough break oh man he's they either allergic to the venom <laughs> or the anti-venom though i think the venom is so bad that an allergic reaction is the least of your problems. Yeah. I think he was allergic to the anti-venom. Anyway, so... I feel like being allergic to snake venom is like saying you're allergic to death. Like <laughs> I'm allergic to bullets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Yeah. <laughs> In a real rash. I got a really bad reaction to knives. <laughs> Give you chronic diarrhea. <laughs> Knife toast intolerant. And Anton has more or less... <laughs> Anton has more or less like disappeared for 10 years. I mean, he went AWOL from the army. He is also not really in contact with the family or the father at all. And I think so. And in, well, before the father dies, Anton is like, you fucking piece of shit. And then the father dies. And he's like, yeah, well, there you go. That's he goes it. to visit his dad in the hospital. He's unconscious and tells him, you were a shit father. I hate you. I'm going to be glad when you're dead. And then he dies. Mission accomplished. And then... So that then they're making preparations for the funeral, and suddenly Anton, because he's the oldest child, is almost like kind of in charge, even though he's probably a alcoholic drug addict who criminal. I don't know what he did. It really is very kind of a vagrant, vague on what he did for those ten years. But there's a one passage where you get the sense that he like did some man whoring or something. Yeah. Like he was sucking dicks. Yeah. And then, and he's and he's abused everybody he can. Like he owes everybody money, and he's really thin. But now he's counting he's, on that money back. Now that his parents are dead, he's like yeah, score. Yeah. One of the things that he has to do, and apparently his father had put in his will that this that Anton can't inherit anything until he apologizes to the to the preacher for being an asshole ten years ago. And like you, and you know, I mean, okay. And the father has allowed the preacher to build a church literally on their property, like on at least on the edge of the big farm that they have. And the preacher, and the you know, in the 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 how this the lawyer, the family lawyer is like, no, you have to do this, or you can't inherit. And so the son does. The son is like, okay. The pastor comes in and I says, okay. I guess I'm sorry for those things he said. And then the pastor just like, oh, think nothing of it. It's fine. But you know, the pastor is the one who wanted that in there. You need to put in your will, he told the, must have told the father. Anyway, so you know the pastor put that in there, so he's a real asshole about it. And he also has a watch. It's like the mid-90s. He has a watch that speaks the time out loud on like, you know, every 15 minutes. And he's like, oh, sorry, I should have changed it. I had one every of those. time. Every time, it's like, wouldn't that be the most annoying thing? Not for not just for everyone around you, but wouldn't you get annoyed with a watch that like said the time every fifteen minutes? It's well, it's because he's basically blind. Yes. So he needs the watch to tell him the time. So you go, oh, it's been fifteen minutes. It's, and they made a. You need to know that when you're blind. They also made a passing reference to the fact that he fucked his sister. Yeah. And just like a one, well, like oh, and there was that time that he. Has intercourse with his sister, but they don't like to think about that. But, oh, okay. Weird. That was in the the third section, but in the second section, I thought it was during uh, the eulogy. The Anton. So it was during it was not the it was not the eulogy for um, 
the father. I think it was for the eulogy for Ash, Astrid, actually. Oh. I felt like it. No, maybe you're right. Maybe it was no, that's when you get another ridiculous thing. All oh, right, that was a. Because right, they were right, in a different church a different by then. Thing. That's the Catholic Church. You're right. right. This yeah. so this time not so, not Anton sees the pastor and then sees what he says. Oh, and his and his wife. Oh no, wait, not wife, sister. And then later he says, "Oh yeah, in that time I fucked my." And he's like, "Not even." No one's that. Basically, blind. you hear his internal monologue where he's thinking about other things while he's giving the eulogy. And one of the things he thinks about is, "Oh, in that time I fucked my sister. Oops, <laughs> but I kind of want to do it again." He was like, <laughs> "He's a total asshole." Not his fault she was hot and he does that. The family inherits the farm, but one of the stipulations in the will is that. You can't. It, as long as any ch- any of the any of the three children wants to live there, they can live there. It can't just be sold off. And in fact, it can't be sold off at all, or in part, without the agreement of all three children. Uh, it's actually Anton that ends up living there, because and then t- it's so that was that was a ten year jump, and then there's another ten year jump, and now it's the mid well 2000s. before. But wait, there's a very yeah. important part there. The second one where. All, this, all three kids are back together after Amor comes back from London, where oh, she's been living. Right, yeah. <laughs> she had this one line. Was like, she comes back to Pretoria. And she says, never did the middle of town look like this. So many black people are drifting casually about, as if they belong here. It's almost like an African city. Well, Amor also says, so um, now are we going to give that house to Salome? And the lawyer is like, that's not in the will. And then but they could do the it if they wanted like, to, but the siblings don't. They the, the the strongest one against it is the sister and like the aunt. I forget. Like, Tanny. M- what was your name? Tanny. Tanny was like a maybe that's how they, the word for aunt, but I think her name was like Tanny Marina. Yes, and she was a piece of shit who was oh, openly racist. Uh, uncle Ock or whatever the fuck his uh, name Ock, was. I think Aki is also their word for uncle because his name was Aki Um. Or umaki or some shit. Uh, u- umaki, uh, umami. It's the, the flavor. savory the flavor, uh, yeah. <laughs> taste. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she was also like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" They can't have stuff. They are servants. <laughs> She's really racist. But that that is you know, Amor is very preoccupied with the fact that like she was promised this thing by mom when she died, and. Uh, you know, I, I don't want anything else out of this will. I don't need the money. or it doesn't, She doesn't want the money. She doesn't want the property. She just wants Salome to have this house as was promised to her. Besides that, she's got no it's requests. it's not even nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is no requests uh, from Short Throw and Three Sons. The father-son kind, not the star kind. And it is a imperial stout with coffee, toasted coconut, and cacao nibs. And it's 11.7%. It is oh, fucking good. I've been drinking it this whole time. And I would like to note that right here on the you know, general you know, copy for they put on all beer cans, it says, please, please, please drink responsibly because it's strong. With three pleases, it's, really? It's a, please. It's really fucking good. It's, you know... I mean, honestly, it's like every other stout that's coffee, toasted coconut, and cacao, which is, we've had, I don't know, 45,000 of these at this point. They're all good. This one's also good. A third of Pastry Town was just that combination. And they're all all great. This one's also great. 
It's like macaroni and cheese. Like once you figure out that formula, you don't well, have to you change can, You can like, make way more variations on mac and cheese because there's so many different kinds of cheeses. But they're all oh, yeah. Good. There's different types of cacao. <laughs> there's different types of chocolate you could throw and in there. And different kinds of macaroni. True. But, but, but no one no one ever, I mean, I don't know. Spaghetti mac and cheese. That was a joke. I would love spaghetti mac and cheese. That would be not the important part. <laughs> I don't need any clowns. Macaroni like, is really just like a, a vessel for the cheese. It's a cheese delivery vehicle. Speaking of cheese delivery, these beers were delivered to us. <laughs> By our patrons. <laughs> the money for these beers. The cheddar that they granted unto us. <laughs> and it was good. Uh, so if you want to support the podcast, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club where you can uh, If you get could early promise to, to, to support the podcast. Promises are no yeah, fucking so good pr- to us though. So you got to really click the button. If you promise to support the podcast and also give money, you will get early access to episodes, get the vote in our monthly book poll, Get exclusive content, merch swag, shout it out in our book poll episodes, and join us for our quarterly live episodes. And uh, and if you are a patron and you you know you suggest a book to do, we almost always do it at some point. And if you're not a patron <laughs> and you suggest a book to do, we almost always do it at some point. So you know, we don't have enough books to read already. So they're on the list. If you suggested a book, it's on the list. We're hungry that for list content. Is just really long. <laughs> and if you don't want to do that, that's okay too. You cheap bastard. But you could just help the <laughs> podcast out by leaving a review, you know, a good one, and uh, telling people to check out check us out. And if you don't like the podcast, I can't believe you listened this long into it to hear this point. Yeah, it's really on you at this point. Much like... What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Much like Anton. What is he doing with his life? <laughs> Nothing. Because it jumps forward again, and he's in bad shape. They all are. Jumps forward again, but this time it's from Astrid's perspective well i mean it's it's titled after them but every chapter is from everyone's perspective yes really it chapter is about that person's death so in the 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 previous section in section two they're talking about mandela becoming president and it's like the first year of mandela's presidency which puts it not 94 95 i'm pretty sure and then in the second section it's the inauguration of the new guy which is Tabo Mbeki, which is the guy that took over after the, uh, after Mandela, it's his inauguration because Astrid has divorced her first husband, Dean. who she cheated on, which, and then married the new guy, and okay. now she's cheating on him. One criticism of the book I have is that the characters are very one-dimensional, and her character trait is being a slut. That's like pretty much her only character trait. She's oh, also a bigot. Being bulimic. Oh, yeah. Because she struggles with her weight. And, uh, oh, no. you know. <laughs> she's, she's, she, she's, you know, eats a lot. And if you were. <laughs> oh, God. If pizza were being divided, do you think she would take the big slice? <laughs> or the jumbo slice? <laughs> yes, and then throw it up again. Which is, which is. Which is a double dick move because she wasted it. You could That's throw up true. a small slice. Though also, why would you fucking slice pizza at different sizes? You're some kind of psychopath. Have you ever gotten pizza where like an idiot cut it? Yeah, occasionally. And it's like a person who never learned fractions, and they're like, "These are eighths," and it's like, "No, man, like those are not equal." <laughs> and you strategically grab that big slice every time. This is called jumbo slice, <laughs> and it's from other half, and it's an imperial 
pale ale. That's eight percent alcohol, and it's very very good. A lot of citrus flavors, like pineapple, in there, and like a berry flavor. Delicious, almost as good as a jumbo slice of pizza. Certainly better than th- tastes better than throwing up a slice of pizza. Oh, still which there pizza. are several scenes when there's also a scene early, like they they hint, he hints. I guess it's kind of like Damon Galgut's narrating this book. Some omniscient narrator is narrating this book, but it's, it also has like its own personality. The narrator, it's a sassy it's narrator. Book. But there's a part in the beginning at the funeral when they're at the home for the mom, and it's like all the things that have gone into the toilet. Oh yeah, and it's like there have been, you know, two point eight gallons of piss. Four, four and a half pounds of shit, uh, and then like the vomit, and then five milliliters of jizz. <laughs> like, list all the things that have gone into the toilet during the funeral. Sounds like a great party. <laughs> Not a lot of jizz. It's just getting started, though. And uh, then it, you find out later that that's a lot of jizz for funeral. one funeral. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of funerals you go to, Jimmy? <laughs> hey, Nate, back me up here. I mean, that's only one went into the toilet. That's they're not calling everything that happened. They yeah, didn't count all the it, poops it, it, that didn't happen out the, <laughs> inside the toilet. Yeah, the, all the poops that are on the side <laughs> of the road. Just, <laughs> pull over! I can't make it. <laughs> and wait, hold, wait for me. I gotta get this jizz over there too. <laughs> that's so, normal. Yeah, Ast- Astrid is. So she's so a rich basically asshole. Basically, she has she has like she's rich. She's married to like a pretty. You know, she's married she's to the head of like a security a guy, company. To a security company, and the thing going on, it's like people are like oh, a crime these days, and so the security company is doing great. They've got lots of business, but she's having an affair with a politician who is also her yeah, husband's with, partner, and, and he's a black, black guy. Yeah, and we talk about she his asks big, the his big wiener. She didn't know if she's well, big, but she's a solid. Oh, yeah. Just, not, it didn't look does, weak does solid, and yes. thin. <laughs> and pink. <laughs> but it but she does big. ask the priest, is it a bigger sin if you cheat? It's a sin if you cheat on your husband. But is it like a bigger sin if you cheat with a black guy? She asks the priest that. So he's the, like, the, yeah, main, the first the thing she does <laughs> in the beginning of this chapter is she goes to confession. And it's like, it's been, it's been a long time since I've gone to confession because I guess she's a Catholic now. Right? She no, converted. The, she yeah, converted. It's just a thing. Yeah. And husband. the priest, and the priest says, and then she's like, you know, and I'm, speaking, I'm having this affair, and the priest does not absolve her of her sins. Doesn't Be- was that the right word for it? Yeah, because yeah, no. she yes. has been having this affair, and he knew, and was like, "You told me you're going to stop this shit. You can't be absolved if you keep doing it. You have to actually make the changes." She's like, mm, "Really?" And then he's like, "This bitch is a lot of work." And then, Basically, and then she's like, you're not, I'm not going to get forgiveness from this. Well, that sucks. But then she goes and she basically gets in her car and gets robbed and murdered. She gets... For her car. She gets, yeah, she goes, she goes shopping. She buys a lot of shit because she's rich. And she gets carjacked. And the guy murders her. Yep. Which I think, I remember seeing, I think maybe it was on those like Ripley's Believe It or Not books or something that like... South Africa has ridiculous carjacking rates, or it did at one point. This is like back when I was in like middle school now, so around the time of this takes place. It, and it is still a pretty dangerous place to be for everyone. 
And I remember, I remember seeing a thing like they were selling, like people were retrofitting their cars to have like a flamethrower on the bottom. To, like, <laughs> like if a guy like comes did, like window, battle bots, like, but for their car. <laughs> it's like a, something a fucking Bond villain would have. <laughs> like, oh yeah, let me, just, let me just turn off the ignition here and just like, and like ah. <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, that'd be pretty pretty badass. Yeah, ask the dealer if I can get that on my car next time. <laughs> the flames are, yeah. I don't know if that's street legal. Well. I it's know like, if it's, it's like limo tents, you know, just look the other way on that thing. There's, there's no law against it explicitly, is there? I would, I bet there is. There's a law that says you can't have a flamethrower on the underside you of your arm car. can't your car? That has to be a law. That could be for grilling. If you can't have, if you can't have tinted windows, you can't have flamethrowers. It's got to be in the same, same piece of legislation. Fucking goddamn nanny state. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought, I thought this was away, America. Taking away our <laughs> God-given right to flamethrowers. Uh, sometimes I bear arms in the form of flamethrowers on the bottom of my vehicle. Yeah. Says it in the Constitution. These, what, these cowards that are the leading founding us fathers, anyway. The founding fathers definitely meant that we should have flamethrowers on our cars. That's definitely what they meant. Well, I mean, on, their, on your buggies. What foresight they had. <laughs> So she dies in like a you know scene there, and you're like, "Wow, what's going on here?" And uh, she's murdered, and then and it's about this time that I realize, like, oh, each chapter is about how they die. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Until the third one is like, oh, I get it now. Second time is an accident. Third time is a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Second time's a coincidence. Third time's a pattern. Then they have their uh, her funeral, and this has oh, I got to find it, my favorite passage in the book. From that priest, so the so the husband, uh, who we've you know only met in this section, Jake, the security guy, he, you know, is, is just besides himself, and then he goes to the priest, and he's like, well, at least it's a great you know, relief to know that she was absolved of her sins right before she died, and he's like, mm, no, <laughs> was she? Not exactly. Yeah, and he's like, why didn't you absolve her? Like that's the fucking way that works, priest. He's like, oh, yeah, I couldn't. It was, it, I can't tell you. That's a lot Fang. of Hail Marys. It's, yeah, it was, it was a, you know, I, I gave her a console and shit, but, mm. and so eventually he pesters her, but about, he, he keeps going to the priest, like, tell me who, tell me what the sin was, what was it? And eventually this priest is like, she, right, she was having an affair, okay? It's like one in the morning, he wakes up the priest, and the priest was having a dream, uh, I like this. Father Father Batty had been roused from a pleasurable dream of large-breasted women and is not happy at his midnight demand on his compassion. And so he eventually says, your wife was cheating on you. And he's like, with who? Like, she didn't tell me that part, but that's it. I've already told you too much. Goodbye. And then the priest takes a shit. And then he just knew that was the part you were going <laughs> to Of course gonna that was find. the part. Of course that's the part. <laughs> and this quote is amazing. It says, no, <laughs> quote, no character in a novel ever does what he, the priest, is doing now, i.e., pulls his buttocks apart to better, <laughs> the better to blurt out his distress. One way to be sure you're not a fiction. Did Jesus ever sit at stool? I wonder. Did he have an anus? <laughs> not according to the good book. That you can't eat multiple loaves and fishes without consequences at the other end. And Wisdom. in a book that I wasn't really enjoying a whole lot, this passage really... Really caught my attention, <laughs> and I'm sure the exact way the author intended it to. This is that passage was like 
breaking the fourth wall where it was like, oh, yeah, this is because he says no character in a novel ever does this. And it's like, but uh, oh, yeah, it's a fucking novel. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. So there's another funeral. This scene, there's the, the funeral for Astrid. Anton is and then that's basically it. They have to it's find like, they have oh. to find Amor again. She's been working yes. in the HIV ward and living with a lady. Oh yeah. Uh at in some other part of South Africa this time. So she Durban or something like that? Durban? Dur Durden? Like, like I Durban? Know where that yeah, is. I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. At the end of the last section, Anton had dropped her off at the bus and said, Hey, you know, we'll work something out for Salome and get her that house. And she's like, Cool, man, thanks. And then of course, he never did anything. And so she comes back, and now there's one less sibling. He's like, now I gotta get that house to Salome. He's like, shut the fuck up about this, lightning bitch. <laughs> I need money. You, uh, and he says, I will, because they have to have both, they have to have all the remaining siblings' permission to do anything with the land. And he says, I need to sell some of this land so that I can make some payments on shit because he's bad with money. Uh, and he says, you can. She says, you can sell it if you give Salome her house. Well, no. She, what she says is she doesn't want it to be a deal. Oh, yeah. He's like, how about you... Well, but it's kind of a deal. Your, but she's like, no, no. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. Because this is what mom wanted and we're supposed to do this. And he's like, all right, cool. If you agree, she's like, no, I'm not going to do it then. You have to just do it because it's the right thing to do. And then, of course, he's like, fuck you, bitch. And then she leaves. She was like almost like... Like, there she has, like, some, like, spectrum-y kind of behavior in this book. Like, the way she can only undress in certain orders. Like, she's, like, obsessive-compulsive kind of things. But, like, she gets, like, fixated on things. And she could not accept this and accept it in this one way. Like, she's very, like, what's the right word for it? Monomaniacal? Sort of, I guess. That's not a good, yeah, like... She's, fix, she's fixated. Yeah, I guess so. That's probably it. And also, she, there's like, a homeless him, man who can see spirits in this section, so... That was so weird. Also. The, uh, he sees the entities that are living on, on you. And like the the grieving husband, he's like, the bum goes to the grieving husband. He's like, hey, you have a thing on you. You have a... Multi-tentacle like, oh, beast. And he got, and the, dad, the husband is such a fucking terrible mental shape. He's like, can you get it off? And not in the way like a person would be mean to the raving homeless person, but like sincerely like, Fuck, all right. What do you do? <laughs> and the bum's like, no, of course I can't get that off. Are you stupid? That's, that's a dumb thing to ask. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> you idiot. And also the priest got mad at the bum for pissing in the shrubs. But just for church. being near them. He said, don't piss here. Go pee somewhere else instead. He's like, I'm just sleeping, man. It's like, okay. Because <laughs> the priest is, you know, really full of compassion is the point. And I mean, one of the themes Minus of the, the book passion. clearly is about religion, so they all suck. They're all full of shit. Yeah. So then the fourth section starts, and it's named after Anton. So get ready to say goodbye to him. <laughs> so this time, by this point, he's, well, he has married um, the the girl from the first chapter. He's 50 at this point, so it's like 31 years or so. He was, he was 19, I think, in the beginning. So, mm-hmm. So if it was like 85, it's like, yeah. Basically the present day. But he's been working on writing a novel for 20 years that has never amounted to anything. And he has a lot, you know, a lot of issues with money. He owes all this money. And, you know, the... And crippling alcoholism. Yes, severe alcoholism. And the the 
um, reptile zoo is no longer making a profit because the co-owner, you know, or at least the main owner, now that the father was dead, like 20 years before, he ran off with the money. And so there's no income from that. And so he really needs to sell some land. And then he's basic. And then, but also he and his wife, like they can't conceive. And it turns out that he, it was actually his fault because he was infertile. And And so, and impotent. Was he impotent? Yeah. She Uh, mentions it to him more. Is that why the wife was fucking Mowgli? (laughs) She was not uh, fucking Mowgli until after. Is that from the Jungle Book? The one, name, there's like yeah. the, guy, the, the guy who did like a semester abroad in India <laughs> and comes back just like talking about he's fucking guru, ash rounds. Yeah. He's and, a, his name yeah. is Moti, but Anton keeps calling him Mowgli. And it's oh, pretty, okay. it's funny every time. It's exactly <laughs> the kind of thing a dick person would say and do. And, and I laughed at it because it's also like the guy's, he's ta- like speaking like he's, you know, the, he's received the wisdom of the ages because hey, he did he some yoga. He went to Burlington. For an entire long weekend, and that was it. And the wife is all into him. Because she is unfulfilled, because they live in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. And it's called South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> She's in the anus of the entire butt of nowhere. Wow, that's, that's an image. <laughs> <laughs> so he's paranoid in, in, in the middle of the night. He has an argument with his wife and then he's paranoid in the middle of the night and he thinks there's like something attacking the farm and so he grabs Well, they're in the middle of um, shotgun. riots are happening around South Africa where there's like a movement for people to take back the land that was taken from them. And so he's always armed, like ready to go if he, he will try to take back their land. But he's also a drunk. He's also put like electric fence around it and padlocks all over it. he had thought it, about putting it up but he was too much of a fuck up to actually do it. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, yeah, he's worried about security. So he's worried about it, and then he's... But he's also just kind of paranoid, and in the middle of the night, he thinks he, like, grabs the shotgun and then goes outside, and he's, like, trying to... Thinks he's going to defend the farm, but actually he doesn't. He just shoots himself in the head with the shotgun. Well, he had a full-blown mental breakdown and kills himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he killed himself because it's this kind of, like, inner monologue thing. About like just face it, you fucking failed at everything. You're never really gonna write that novel. You've never written anything about it. You, know, you haven't done much. You disappointed everybody and everything you do. If you have done, you're not gonna change it now. What's the point? And they say he contorted into some position to kill himself. Yeah. He he Hemingways. And so he killed himself. And then so the final funeral is for him. And then but also and so Desiree, his wife, has to, and her mother have to kind of take care of everything. And again, they can't find a more. Like she's not answering the phone. She forgot a more existed. Call, yeah. Or the mom, the mother is like, oh, and we have to. And, and Desiree is like, we have to call his sister a more. And, and her mother is like, who? I don't remember this person. Of course, she hasn't really been around, like, basically ever. But so She's been but, avoiding them. Finally, she ignores calls from the lawyer. She doesn't collect the money that's her That amount. she's owed, yeah, as part of her inheritance and, you know, the, the income from that reptile zoo and stuff like that. Anyway, so she finally gets... So she they someone finally gets in contact with her... Salome. 
Salome, that's right. They're like, we can't find her anywhere. They didn't bother asking Salome if Salome knew a number they could find her at. But until they they don't even figure it out until the day of the funeral. Because Desiree is the mad racist one whose father was the war criminal. And he's still alive in this. Yeah, he, and, um, oh, I I liked uh, a line there too. He wrote something. When he was driving back and he's remembering the time that he was in a helicopter full of hookers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes. Every, each of them is sunk in their own contemplation of the event that just took place, except for the old man, who's under the happy impression that he's in a helicopter with a bunch of hookers. Something that happened to him once, back in his glory days. After all his man. war crimes. What What was that story? I, mean, I kind of want to know. But Salome is the one that says, where's Amor? And they said, we couldn't find her. We couldn't get in touch with her. And she said, I have her number. And then, and then immediately Desiree's like, what the fuck didn't you tell me that? She's like, you never asked me. And um, there had been previously a scene, like the scene when they find out that Anton is dead. And you see Desiree interact directly with Salome, and she's a total asshole to her. Just so, why would Salome ever, like, like Desiree's clearly cut up the situation, like Salome like, doesn't speak out of turn kind of thing. So yeah. why would Salome ever say, oh, hey, by the way, I have this thing, you know, because, you know, she just wants to, like, hang out. Also, every, also time, find... every time there's a funeral, Amor comes back, and she and Salome are very close. And so she always hangs out with Salome, hates her family. Well, Salome largely raised the children. Yeah. You know, yeah. she was their, like, nanny slash governess, however you want to okay. describe it. You know, like, slash housekeepers, you know, kind of thing. So... And there's a line where it basically says that Salome raised these three children, these three white children, as her own. Only Amor seemed to, like, really care about that. And Amor was friends a, with like her, Salome's actual son, Luke, Lucas? Lucas. They're of a similar sure. age. I liked um, that when they're planning Anton's funeral, the wife just wanted to, as a final fuck you to him, have, like, a weird Eastern crystal ceremony bullshit the funeral because he would have hated it <laughs> specifically because he would hate it but then the the lawyer saves the day in a sense by finding the notarized letter he had written saying what he wants at his funeral and it's basically like i don't want anything at all i want to be cremated no cemetery no funeral just that's it and you think that letter might have been written when letters that are sans serif <laughs> maybe I opened this a while ago. It was Possibly. Thirsty. There's not a lot I mean, of fonts and handwriting. Handwriting really doesn't have serif yeah. unless you're like doing calligraphy. So serif is like the little tips of letters, like on a I or a R, you know, like the mm. like Times New Roman bits. Has that. Little curls. They're not not even curls. Just like the little I mean, like Arial has no is a sans serif font. Uh, okay. Anyway, this is a double IPA from Finback, but it's made with an experimental hop. Experimental 09362, Beverly Hills, <laughs> and uh, Citra Brew 1 and Mosaic. So it's good. I mean, it, it's Citra and all those like, fame, you know, popular hops are in there, but the, the new one is interesting. Very like berry flavor. And I was reading one thing. I was reading something. It wasn't about this beer, but I was reading some fucking beer nerd saying, oh, this beer is really good. It had like hints of gooseberry. Like, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> that's not, you did not taste that. Cause that's one, not a real thing. <laughs> and, and two, 
You didn't notice it. <laughs> I don't know. And what the gooseberries the fuck taste like gooseberries. I think gooseberries is just the name for um for like duck duck testicles. <laughs> Jesus. No, yeah. I actually Do birds have testicles. I think gooseberry is a real thing. No, it's a real I'm thing. Sure, it is. I've just never but had it. it. Like, you don't just fucking... you don't just get it in a store like you don't eat a bunch of gooseberries. Like you usually have like a gooseberry pie. I think is a thing because you just dump a bunch of sugar. You in know it. what? I have tried it. I think one time. Well, yeah, gooseberry or gooseberry? Back in Roanoke when you were there, Nate. <laughs> gooseberry. <laughs> it's a survival thing. No, no, it was in New York. <laughs> yeah, you in Washington? They called it New Amsterdam then. <laughs> Well, this is not gooseberry with for the Peter Stuyvesant. <laughs> Are you looking up gooseberry? Yep, uh, that's actually what I was doing. Yeah, brother of <laughs> Chuck Berry. <laughs> it's a, uh, but also the grandfather of Goose from Top Gun. Yes, his last name was Barry. They just never said it. You didn't know, but like his name—it's a family name, Goose. <laughs> and also, their ability to fly pa- planes was. Uh, their inability to fly planes was a family uh, trait. Hey, it was an uncontrollable spin-out. Anyway, um, <laughs> going back to this book, Anton's dead, gets cremated, opposite of seeing the Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> he did see Goose, though. So this is day. a third or maybe fourth section in a row where there's a funeral, and the rest of the family is like, no, we don't want to do what the deceased wanted us to do it's the fourth section anyway. it's every section where it was like no what they wanted with their funeral is shitty we don't want that they we shouldn't do that but they'd have to do it anyway and so amor's amor comes back one last time and uh, and is finally like tries to tell desiree like you need to give salome her fucking Salami. house <laughs> and her brother genoa <laughs> You need to give Salome her house. It's time. Just do it now. And in fact, and then talks to Desiree. And then and now they come to an agreement. I don't quite know, but also. Yeah, they, they basically more, Salome wants to make the place into like a meditation retreat. And she's like, oh, you know, do something good for people. And she can have it. Salome wants to or Desiree wants to? Desiree wants to make Desiree. like the land into a meditation retreat because it's middle of fucking nowhere. And she starts banging the. Uh, wannabe dalsim and it's literally the day after the funeral <laughs> you go flame but she comes down she said yeah she can have it though the catch is that the land might not be ours for very long because people are trying to take it back so she can have it but we'll see what ends up happening so amor goes to the lawyer and says i want this to happen i need you to you know put it in writing or do the lawyer thing and make it happen like oh, okay but just so you know they might not be able to keep the land because there's a thing to take back the land, which doesn't happen in actually in the book, but it's sort of like could happen. It's like, oh, that could be a thing. Maybe that's about the future of apartheid. Mm. Uh, future of the end of apartheid. We'll get to that in a second. So, um, and then also the, at the lawyer's like, we've been trying to reach you for 20 years <laughs> just to get your fucking bank account number. Just so, uh, just so we can give you the money that you're owed from the estate, we've put it in a separate account for you each, this whole time. Each of the kids are getting a monthly deposit as part of their inheritance, but hers has just been accruing as a sort of escrow account for the entire time. And so, Amor is like, "Okay, I will give you a bank account, t- bank account number tomorrow." And then 
So not today, because I don't know it. Now she goes, I'll get it to you tomorrow. Swear to God, it's only been 20 years. I'll do it tomorrow. And then Amor goes to Salome and says, You're, this house is yours. It's yours now. But the, her son, Lucas, who's, you know, the same age as Amor, uh, and is like, fuck you. Fuck you, you white people. And we, this is our land. This should have been ours. Fuck you. And <laughs> Amor is like, uh, wait. Really? Uh, okay. Um, she's like, okay, this is a little weird. I'm they were just friends trying to like give you the land. Yeah. And she's like, remember at my mother's funeral when you said hello to me, even though that was 30 years, 30 years, yeah, 30 years before that, 40 years before that? No, 30. 30, yeah. And he's like, because he's been in prison a bunch of times and he's just kind of an angry alcoholic, it sounds like. And then uh, Amor gets Salome to say what listen i will give you some money with this too what's your bank account number and that's actually the account number that amor gives to the lawyer so basically salome gets the land uh, part of the land at least the house she was owed and the money and then so for finally fulfilling the promise from chapter one and then there's this scene and i'm not going to be able to explain this well but there's this scene where Amor is like out on the roof. She's like spreading the uh, Anton's ashes and there's like a rainstorm and there's a line that's like, and just like in a, this is a bad catharsis. This is a catharsis in a bad novel. It starts raining. And it's like, <laughs> oh wait, no, this is, this is the novel. It's very yeah, self-aware. It. Yeah. Except only in very rare parts. I don't know. It's, it it's, it it's like that it did that. Yeah. Well, it was also like before she did that, she finds Anton's unfinished novel, of which he's only written a quarter of, and the outline of it is basically this book, like a family that is, you know, a guy kills someone, he tries to make things right over the years, but he can't, and he's a fuck up and all this stuff, and it's like, oh, it's, it's this book, kind of. It's Anton's life, yeah. And then, uh, basically, the end. Yeah. More or less. So, what do you guys think? I mean, okay. It was fine, except this is the favorite to win the booker. So, my standards are higher for how good it should be. If you didn't and know it was the favorite, would you have thought it was better? Uh, it would have been, it would have been okay. Hmm. I would have thought it was okay. Except, I, my criticism is that uh, for a book that is favorite to win the booker... The characters are very one-dimensional. They just kind of have, like, they have one character trait, and then that's it. And I wasn't really, like, that into it. I mean, the book is still okay, but I still have higher expectations, and I was a little bit disappointed. Jimothy? I think, looking back on it, I think it's better than it was when I was reading it. Like, at the time of reading, I was like, ah, oh, it's fine. I got through it. Like, I'm enjoying parts of it, but it's, it's, it's interesting. But I wasn't loving it. Jimmy, I'm going to say that's the same logic I've applied to any of the women who have been kind enough to have sex with me in my life. Both of I them? I tell them it was the same thing. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's better than you thought it was at the time. Yeah. And they've never bought that shit. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, like, having discussed it now, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed it. 
certain amount. I, I gave it four stars. I, I was, it's really a three and a half for me. Three felt too low because mm, I didn't. I see that. Three. I felt. I felt like threes are for like this was fine, and it was. It was fine, but it was better than that. I know it was better. I just didn't enjoy it as much. I think it was good. It was in. It was interesting. It was written interestingly. I think it was my least favorite of the four that we have read. And I also because of that, I am not going to be surprised if it wins. Yeah, I hear all that. I agree. I think it was good, but as Nate said, you know, the book is so prestigious. But not every book winner is great, actually, so I wouldn't be surprised if this wins. And honestly, yeah, none, it's of, still good. none of the four was like, this is an amazing book. I, I loved no one was talking about this. And actually, Bewildered was my favorite of the four. Out of the four we've read, I would go with no one is talking about this, followed by Bewilderment. I'd be I'd be fine if either of those won. Over this, over the promise, or a passage north. It could also be the other two that we didn't read. So. <laughs> Which they're like low. I'm odds. now thinking are actually going to win because I'm not really feeling like in the, like any of these four are the one to win. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it. Oh, this is the one. It just doesn't feel like it to me. But what the fuck do I know? Well. I think in recent years, there have been a, and again, it's hard to know, you can't compare year to year directly because it's a different panel of judges, but there is a, like, political or, like, cultural element of the books that win, like... It, it like, raises awareness for an, it's for an, a, you know, a human rights kind of issue. So, for example... That maybe but, isn't too well, that isn't, that isn't necessarily that well known. I mean, maybe it is. Apartheid yeah. is... Pretty well known, but also so this could be the one. The land back movement is a very timely thing right now, here and also in other places, but especially here in America. But the Booker is not going to do with that necessarily. But the whole movement is kind of a worldwide thing, and it could be a thing that this plays plays into that. But it's a pretty minor part of this. I mean, the book. I mean, I, I thought my my interpretation of it was that this is really a story about how the white South Africans have failed to deliver um, the, to the black South Africans like anything that they have promised them or anything they were supposed to, you know, give them like they... I don't know what they were supposed to do. I don't really know anything about it. I know that was bad. Yeah, but I don't know like what... I don't know what they were supposed to do. I just don't know anything about that part of it. Well, I would imagine, so, uh, without looking at anything, I would imagine statistically... Black South Africans languish behind white South Africans in probably any measurable metric. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, point. I just I don't know. Like, it, was there like a thing that says like we're going to give you this land or we're going to do this? Like, I, I don't know what it was. So, I, like, without that context, it's it's kind of difficult without specifics of like knowing what they were supposed to do. I'm sure whatever it was they're supposed to do, they didn't do. I don't know what it was that they said they would do. I guess that's the whole point of the book. Is like you were promised this thing and it never happens. But I don't know what that thing is. I mean, I, I, I think also that's what it was about because even though the book is called The Promise and what was the promise in the book? It was the promise to give Salome the land, the little little tiny piece of land, not the whole thing, just, just a little yeah, tiny piece of land she was of promised earth. decades ago and only finally guess it at the end. That's the promise. When but they're that's all actually dead. a very small part of the plot. That is a, that is a tiny part of the plot. I mean, it comes up a couple. It comes up in every section, 
but only comes up a little bit. Like most of the book is not about that, or at least most of the scenes and most of the characters' actions are not about that specific thing. So I, I feel like, but I was, when we got to the final section, it was like, wait, that's, that's the promise. The promise was giving the land to Salome. Maybe it's... I mean, I had a feeling that's what it was, but it was like, no, no, there's no other promise. That's it. That's, so the fact that it's titled that means this is a giant metaphor for the fact that, you know, after apartheid ended, there was supposed to be not just more reconciliation, but more like leveling the playing, playing field between white South Africans and black South Africans, and, they've, and it's all failed. Maybe it's something like the white population of South Africa is a distinct minority in terms of population size, population. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so these people are preoccupied with all their bullshit and they are not seeing what's actually happening like with the vast majority of the country. And they're ignoring it. All I see is like, oh, you know, people are whining and getting you know, ideas about how they should be, but you know, that's not the way things are and we're just going to do it. And at least we can play rugby again with the rest of the world. That's cool. But they're just not paying attention. They're unaware willfully and because they just don't know because they don't give a shit to them. It's nothing, but to the people that they were promised things, it's fucking everything. I would just push back to say that they're preoccupied with their bullshit because this family has like severe trauma. Yes. It's not like they're just rich people who don't care about things. But a lot of it is self inflicted. They're not, they're, but like they're human beings trying to live their lives. Yeah. It's not just a money thing though. But like the fucking, you know, a more, from her perspective, right? She loses her mother when she's young. Like that's not bullshit. No, and no. Then there, there are the there are certainly apart, things. And she's sent off to live away, even though they wish the father. Yeah, she's her in the but she's the only one who's trying to make things better. But even the and, and even the the brother who's a fuck up and um he's he's like damaged in in some way from his military service from his like you know construction. See, that was that was, was one thing we mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, one thing we mentioned at the beginning when Nate when you said like he's feeling bad because he had to kill a woman. In a, in a thing. But the thing is, did he have to? You never she threw a rock. You don't know. Yeah. She threw a rock. He said he was going to, she was throwing a rock. So he killed her. And this was at a time when white troops were just killing black people left and right for any small thing. And so he's like traumatized by that. But yeah, I mean, he was a kid and he, you know, it was the way things were. But there is certainly a certain amount of, yeah, but you chose to do this. Not just, you know, in terms of he killed this woman, but as a people, like... Well, he didn't really choose were... anything. He's a 19-year-old conscripted yeah. boy. Yeah, if we're saying that a metaphor of people versus people. But or is it a metaphor? But is it also potentially temp- making it less black and white, for lack of a better term, <laughs> that the he's a white South African who killed a black person as a young person, but, like, he had he had very little choice in the matter too, and like it fucked him up too. It's not like he killed her and was like a good no, uh, yeah, certainly a word to describe her. It's the black the word for black people in South oh, Africa. Oh yeah, I, uh, I I know what it is in theory. Like when you said it, like I, I just don't I don't know what it I'm is. I'm not gonna say it. All right, so, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, no, I I know what you I know what you mean. I'm just like it. 
not when I say like they're bullshit, it just means some of it, yes, is legitimate, but it, it feels like they're kind of self-involved and they are ignoring the entire goings on of a country. It was just an unhappy, you know, mother and father that led to, you know, a dysfunctional yeah, shitty parents. mother and father that led to unhappy children, which led to them being just like, oh, our, you know, we can't handle our own home lives and our own upbringing. And that's like much more of the story than what's actually going on in the country. That part kind of reminded me of A Passage North, right? Where like... The book, the plot, is this this thing that's happening. Um, there's there's a shitload more plot in this than the Passage North, yeah. but it's to focus your your you know it's it's the the lens to help you focus on this thing that was happening in the country. Whereas Passage North was talking about this guy who got baked and rode on trains sometimes <laughs> made you think about to think about Sri Lanka, and here it's to talk about apartheid and the you know the failed. You know, fulfillment of the promise of ending apartheid and you know Mandela and all this other shit, and you have to kind of like read through it. Though this was way maybe just because apartheid is like a more commonly known thing here than the Sri Lankan civil war, but this was also just much easier to un- I-, I thought to kind of get. Even if I'm wrong about what that interpretation is, at least to have one. Whereas the yeah. passage North Carolina had nothing. They were both written differently than normal people would write. Would write, but. Passage North was more like dreamy and kind of flowy. This was more, it jumped around. It was like stream of, it was more stream of consciousness, but jumpy. They're both different versions of stream of consciousness, really, which I guess is like a thing now that everyone's just doing stream of fucking consciousness. I guess that's what makes it interesting. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like I read the old, like the old James Joyce ones. Like I read, a, what was it? Portrait of the Artist's Young Man. I did not get a fucking thing out of that book. That was like reading a book in the dark. <laughs> but this I could at least follow pretty easily. Once you once you get like ten percent into it, you're like, okay, I get it. You sometimes you get a jarring transition, but you pick up on it halfway through the paragraph. I don't know. Is it gonna okay, so we I was gonna say, is it gonna win? But we kinda talked about Who that. Who the fuck knows? We'll never know. We discuss it on every one of these. There's no way to know. But we'll, we'll find out tomorrow. When this comes Basically. out. Tuesday. We're going to find out tomorrow who really wins. And hopefully we've read four out of the six. Hopefully one of these four is the winner. Now, what if it's one of the other fucking two? Then we're going to read <laughs> Outlander. <laughs> no, Bridger, Bridgerton won. Okay. <laughs> so if you had to guess who's going to win, what do you think? I might as well flip a coin while rolling okay. a die and casting bones into a bowl. And reading the entrails of a rooster. That's yeah. called cockmancy. <laughs> <laughs> the, do- the man does see. So, yeah, hard to say. It's impossible to say. It could never be said. I mean, the, the, the betting markets have this as the favorite. But we but have no idea what, how they arrived at that. Like, we don't know the criteria they're basing it on. Is it just, is it, is it just based on who, how many people are betting for things? They don't know what they're yeah. basing it on because it's a different set of judges every time. So it is very much a crapshoot. So it could win, it might not. Who knows? It's like betting on the number a guy is thinking of that you've never met. 
Okay. And also, he doesn't know any numbers. Tell us who you think is going to win. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, why not support the podcast? Head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. uh, Or leave us a review wherever you're listening. Or tell your friends. Promise to tell your friends. And join us on Goodreads where we have a book group of Goodreads where we read in groups or mainly people talk about books they've already read. We don't actually read in group because that would be too much coordinating. It's hard enough for the three of us. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.